everyone. Welcome to The Science of Beauty, a podcast from Allure. I'm Michelle Lee, the Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. And on this podcast, we're going to be diving into the science behind beauty and the products that we are always talking about and testing here at Allure. So to start off today's episode, we are going to time travel through the modern history of skincare layering. And that groovy history begins, in America at least, in 1968, with the launch of Clinique's three-step skincare system. The company revolutionizes skincare by introducing the concept of skin diagnostics, using a question-and-answer system to help women identify their skin type. They build a personalized three-step skincare regimen from there. It's the birth of the Cleanse Tone Moisturize Regime. The results are impressive, and that encourages women to maintain a consistent skincare routine. And our next stop is going to be South Korea. From the 1980s and into the 90s, South Korea is a country that was really changing. Allure contributor Yuni Hong grew up there, and in her essay from our May 2020 issue, she explained that at the time, beauty products, quote, were packaged unattractively in dusty tubs and smelled like carpet deodorizer. So in other words, not exactly products that women in other parts of the world were dying to get their hands on. But a major shift started taking place in the mid-90s. The South Korean government decides that if they want to be economically viable in a global economy, South Korea needs to have a seat at the cool kids' table. They need to become cool, and then they need to export it. Suddenly, Korean pop culture starts to flood the mainstream with music, fashion, and yes, beauty products. Conveniently for South Korea, there's already a deep cultural affinity for skincare. We're talking about regimens that include up to 17 steps, which translates into huge marketing opportunities. And these steps become the storied layering routine. In 2014, Allure published a feature about the emerging trend of applying multiple moisturizers and serums, which had just started to make its way to the U.S. from Asia. The headline? Pile it on. Then everyone realizes life is hard, and they don't have time for all that. In 2019, the pendulum swings in the opposite direction, and skip care is born. Products become multitaskers. Numerous hydration steps are combined to achieve the same results in one go. And while 7 or 10 step routines are a little more rare these days, layering is still very much happening, and 4 or 5 steps are certainly not uncommon. And here, to unravel the mysteries of K-beauty layering, we have with us today the woman who literally wrote the book on it. I'm Dr. Marie Chin. I'm a board-certified dermatologist practicing in the Silicon Valley. I've taught at Stanford for 10 years. I'm also the chief medical officer for Muesli, which is the growing telemedicine uh, company. And finally, I'm the author of the book, Asian Beauty Secrets. And when we come back, we'll be spilling those secrets one layer at a time. We're back with Dr. Marie Jin. Dr. Jin, we'll go pretty big picture with our first question and just ask you, what makes Korean beauty so unique? K-beauty is a lot about rituals. So 
For example, when uh, I was a little girl growing up in Korea, I would do these weekly communal baths with my mother, my grandmother, my sister. And it was a time where we spent an hour or two just bathing, washing our hairs, scrubbing each other's backs. And, and that's what K-beauty is. It's really about rituals and traditions and self-care and using natural products. So layering then, Dr. Jin, like even when you were growing up, was the layering of skincare products something that there was a big focus on? Or is that more of a recent, more modern phenomenon? It's always been there. Korean women have been very diligent about layering and using multiple products. In 2014, the term, the uh, 10-step beauty ritual became synonymous with K-beauty. So for anyone listening who can't quite wrap their head around 10 skincare steps in one go, here's what a classic K-beauty routine might look like. Oil cleanser, water-based cleanser, exfoliator, toner, essence, serum, sheet mask, eye cream, moisturizer, and SPF on top of all that. Specifically, it's about applying each step in its proper order, aka layering. As a dermatologist, why layer? Like why layer as opposed to have all those ingredients in one product that you put on at the same time? As you guys know, the skin is the largest organ and it protects our bodies from the harsh environment, the wind, the sun, the toxins, the germs. And so it it has very low permeability. And so in order for products to permeate to the skin and and work and you want it to absorb and be efficacious, you want it to do it in the right steps. So that means that you want the rich ingredients to go first and then to seal it in later. So, you know, it's always about cleaning the skin, treating the skin and then protecting the skin. So layering is very important if you want the right results. Earlier, we talked a bit about the history of skincare layering. And Michelle just walked us through what a 10-step routine might look like. But once you go even higher, what's really the difference between a 10-step routine and, say, a 17-step routine, other than, I realize, seven steps? I think the difference is, is that the steps increase if you start to use more serums. Serums have a lot of the rich ingredients, hydrating ingredients, anti-aging ingredients, and and antioxidant ingredients. So if you add three to five of those serums, then you can end up with 17 steps. But as we mentioned a few minutes ago, we're now hearing talk of a new trend in the layering world called skip care. Can you talk to us a little bit about these more pared-down layering routines? So I think that 10-step, 12-step still exists in the older generation. However, you know, a lot of the Korean millennials don't have time. We're all busy. And so they've uh, skip care is about taking the most essential ingredients or the steps that will do the same work and be efficacious. And so now a lot of products have hybrid ingredients. That means, you know, a toner that's a you know, moisturizing or sunscreen that is also moisturizing, trying to combine ingredients so that you don't have to do 10 or 12 steps. I've definitely heard more people talking about having a skincare wardrobe that you figure out what it is that you need that day and then you're pulling from your various products. In Korea, do you feel like that's more what people are doing? I think it's a lot more being like a chef and figuring out what are the main ingredients I need for my skin. And I always tell my patients, you know, figure out what what are you trying to solve? What are you trying to improve? And then go from there. 
In terms of chemistry, is it even possible to get the same payoff in these hybrid formulas as you would from serums with a single concentrated ingredient? I think that if you can get the right uh, percentage of active ingredients and use the right formulation or the delivery system, then absolutely, I think you can combine it. So I've heard about the seven skin method, which is applying an essence seven times in a row for tons of hydration. Should I be doing that? <laughs> I think you should try it. Oh, I totally have tried are... it. I've done oh. 15 skin. <laughs> oh, and do you feel like it helped? No, not really. <laughs> it was it was fun and my skin looked good. I don't know if it looked 15 steps more good. I don't know. It was it was an interesting experiment. I'm not sure. I think I need to stick with it a little bit longer to see if it was actually doing anything. Yeah, I think the it's not going to be such a huge difference, but I think that if you're uh, diligent about it, then it can improve some moisture in your skin. Can we talk about the order of the layers? How do you know when to apply which layer and what are some of those rules? I always say from more watery to thicker substances, that's just a really easy way to remember it. There are nuances though. For example, I always like for patients who have skin conditions, if they are using something that is a treatment, I really like to put that on after you've cleansed and toned and essence before your serums and moisturizer, because that's, you want that to be the first thing that's working on your skin condition. But in general, that's a good rule of thumb. So essentially watery to oily because the oil creates a barrier. Is that right? Oil cannot be penetrated. So it's occlusive. It's a thick substance. So Oil can get through moisturizer, serums, and lotions, but it can't go the other way around. You, if you put oil, nothing can go through it. So you want to apply it last. And I know there's another rule about how you layer vitamin C and retinol. Why can't you use those simultaneously? So the reason why you should not use a vitamin C and retinol at the same time is that vitamin C works best at a very low pH retinol works better at a higher pH. So if you use them together, then it's not going to work as well. Now, there are vitamin Cs that have a higher pH, but you know they're harder to find. They may not be as stable. You can wait 30 minutes after using your vitamin C to use a retinol. But in my opinion, I like vitamin C in the morning. I think that it gives you extra protection from the sun because it's an antioxidant. And retinols get deactivated by the sun, so it works best at night. There's also a rule against using vitamin C and alpha-hydroxy acids together. What happens there? If you use those together, oftentimes that could be too irritating benzoyl peroxide and a retinol or retinoid cancel each other out. They do not work if you use them together. Benzoyl peroxide oxidizes vitamin C, so vitamin C won't work. Okay, so let's summarize the rules. One, apply layers from watery to oily. Two, vitamin C in the morning, retinol at night. And three, don't use benzoyl peroxide and retinol at the same time. Got it. So I mentioned Essence briefly before, which is a product I use every day. Dr. Jin, where does the use of Essence originate from and what is it exactly? It's been around for a long time. 
And uh, if you look at history of uh, geishas in Japan, they use essence.、Um, it was called their beauty water, and it was filled with bot- botanicals. And why was this beauty water so popular among geishas? So Asian skin tends to have a little bit thinner layer of moisture. So Asians are all about trying to add more moisture and making it more dewy. And so essence is a product that is usually after you cleanse and tone, that is able to penetrate deeper into your skin and hydrate the cells. And so by doing that, it preps your skin to use other products on top. Now, when we first saw essences hit the market, we kind of thought, "Oh, these are just toners." And Allure was always saying, "Oh, no, no, you shouldn't use toners." But actually, the difference is that essences don't contain alcohol, right? No, usually they are humectant, so water binding ingredients. So they help absorb water. So alcohol would not be in it. Toners are, are different. So toners work by prepping your skin by helping. Sort of cleanse the surface of your skin, so it helps to remove some of the residues that you might have. It ha- it balances out your pH, so your skin is prepped to apply the other layers. Let's talk about toner for a second. As someone who grew up in the '80s and '90s, I think the word toner has a different connotation for me than it does in Korea. I think for a lot of us here, the thought is still very much that toners are harsh and alcohol based. Yeah, no, it's toners have come a long way, yeah, and so they can be less harsh on your skin. There's a lot of variety now, and that's I think what's exciting about what K Beauty did to the industry. Not only did it educate people, but they provided ingredients that were gentle for the skin and did not provide the harshness of certain ingredients. So. Very innovative, and so toners are not just stripping away the layers; they can just help gently exfoliate and then balance out the pH of the skin. So, essence and toner are the first products you should apply, and we establish that oil should always be the last. But just to be clear, whether you are using chemical or a physical sunscreen, your final step during the day should always be sunscreen. Is that right? Yes, it should always be last. So unlike other creams, other creams are trying to get to the skin and 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 provide、uh, you know active ingredients or or hydrate. They have a mission to get to that skin and get absorbed and be efficacious. But the sunscreen is is a shield. You want it on the top because it's blocking the rays from penetrating the skin. We did an, an earlier episode of the podcast that was all about sunscreen, but for people who haven't listened to that episode, so a physical sunscreen like a titanium dioxide sunscreen that I understand better. It's really creating that physical barrier, right? And the the UV rays are kind of bouncing off of it. But then, what is a chemical sunscreen doing? So chemicals will actually break down the UV lights. So it actually the chemicals are breaking down those rays. So you don't want like five layers of skincare on top of that. Uh, oh yeah, definitely not. And there are a lot of different techniques for application. I mean, some people tap the products on, some people are rubbing them in, some overachievers incorporate face massage into their layering routines. Is one method better than another, though, in terms of actually helping the ingredients to penetrate, or is it really just all personal preference? 
I think it's personal. I think the key is not to rub vigorously so that you irritate the skin. You know, gently padding or circular motions are, are, are good practices. But if you're rubbing really hard and thinking that that's going to penetrate, it's actually not. Let's talk about timing between layers. How long should we be waiting between each of these steps? Michelle does these amazing, very relaxing, like skincare layering videos. But in my head, I'm always like, is she walking away and coming back? Or is everything happening? You know, I just always feel like after the first couple steps, I'm a little moist and drippy. Should I air out a little? I think the rule of thumb is 30 seconds to a minute. However, certain times you may need to do it longer. Like we talked about, you know, waiting on the vitamin C for 30 minutes if you're using a retinol. Um, you know, uh, pilling ha- can happen if you put too many layers. And one of the ways to prevent that is to wait about 30 minutes. So pilling, I, I wanted to devote this entire episode to pilling. But I, I, was, I was told it was just a little narrow, but it is like the bane of my existence. And I can't figure out... Maybe it is because like Michelle's saying, you know, and part of our jobs too is just having a skincare wardrobe and always using different things. But I feel like on any given day, I have done something wrong in my layering routine and I'm pilling or I'll see my husband out of the corner of my eye. We're like sitting on the couch and he's looking at me. I'm like, oh my God, he loves me so much. And then he's like, no, you, what is happening to your face? Like there's something just peeling <laughs> off the side of your face. What is it? So instead of it laying smooth on your skin, you start to get little balls almost like little sweater balls on your sweater, on your skin. Okay, so I know that theoretically what's balling up is the product I just put on, plus maybe some dead skin I have hanging around. But what's actually making these little skin balls happen in the first place? Certain ingredients can cause it, such as silicone, talc. And is it more the gel textured formulas that would have the silicones that would lead to pilling? Yes, a lot of a lot of cosmetic products have the silicone. It, it helps the uh, you know the products be smooth, but in, in fact, it can cause the layering of the product. A lot of uh, sunscreen products can do this. Another reason is that people over apply using too much product, and that can cause it as well. Also, your skin, if you haven't exfoliated, uh, may not be you know moist enough or or have a good platform to put on your layers. So really important to, number one, don't overlayer, don't rub in the products. Wait some time if you do decide to put another layer on. I found like a big culprit for me tends to be certain types of hyaluronic acid. And certain ones I know I put on and they just absorb so well. And then there are other ones, even if I let it sit for a long time before putting my next layer on, it just still pills. You can use mist spray in between layers that helps so that way if you decide to do another layer spray the mist first and then apply the next layer and see if that helps hyaluronic acid like you said michelle can do that you can try finding more creamy types of hyaluronic milky types of hyaluronic acids they tend to be a little bit less at risk of pilling So I told you I'm going to turn this whole episode into a pilling episode. (laughs) Is it two silicones together can pill? Or even if you only have one silicone on your skin, can it still kind of ball up if you use too much? Oh, I think even one. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any more pilling questions? No, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Dr. Jin, can you run us through your layering routine? 
So I am cleanser, toner, and I love my essence because I get very dry and dehydrated. And do you use toner morning and night? I may skip it in the morning because I've already washed my face at night. And, you know, like, like I said, sometimes morning and nighttime routines may be a little different. So then after the essence, I, I do like a vitamin C, a serum. So I will do that. And then if I have some pigment correction that I need, then I may add a, a special ingredient for my melasma or my sun damage. And then after that, I'll seal it off with a light moisturizer. And then, of course, I end it with a sunscreen in the morning or a retinoid at night. Okay, Dr. Jin, we've got a couple listener questions for you now. The first one is from Asmina, who says, I got a few different serums recently, and they all have different active ingredients. One has niacinamide. Another has alpha-arbutin, and another has lactic acid. Is there a specific sequence I should follow when layering them? That's a great question. So it really depends because they're all kind of treating different things. So if you want to, niacinamide is an anti-inflammatory. Arbutin can help with pigment. Lactic acid helps exfoliate. So depending on what she wants to target first, I would do that first. It sounds like probably the arbutin first and then maybe the niacinamide and then the, the lactic acid. Is it okay to use something with lactic acid every day? I like lactic acid. It depends on your skin. If you tend to be a little bit more oily, lactic acid every day is fine. This question is from Rebecca who asks... I bought a retinoid in a squalane base, and it has a texture like an oil. Where would I layer that in? My understanding is that oils are occlusive, so they go on top of your moisturizers and your treatments, but this is also a retinoid, so I am confused. You can use that over a, a moisturizer, so it's oil. Oil can penetrate moisturizer. It can penetrate anything. So if it's on the top, it doesn't matter. It's going to penetrate. And retinoids are great at penetrating deep layers. And that's why, in fact, I tell my patients it's okay to use a retinoid over a moisturizer because retinoids are strong enough that it will penetrate and go straight to the skin. And also that will help it to be less irritating. Now this is from Jenny. This is a question from Jenny in New Jersey. If you are microneedling, and I don't know, Dr. Jin, what your thoughts are on at-home microneedling, but if someone is doing that, if you do sanction that and very carefully sanitizing their roller, what do you put on right after the microneedling? Do you have to use like a really active ingredient? You can, and and you can, definitely. At my office, we microneedle all, all the time. Depending on the person's skin, I may put different ingredients. I may put hyaluronic acid to help moisturize it. Sometimes I put a transamidic acid if they have melasma. I think a good thing to put on there after microneedling could be a hyaluronic acid. Okay. And then you could put on a retinoid like a couple steps later and that would be okay. I wouldn't because you've created little holes on your face. And so I wouldn't put a retinoid because that could be super irritating. Because in my head, it's like, oh, great, there's all these holes. I'm just going to put a retinoid into the holes <laughs> to make it work really well. But okay, I won't do that. Okay, thank you. We can go back. Sorry. Don't do it, Jenny. It causes pilling. <laughs> well, if you put it that way, Maybe I won't do it. that's why you're pilling. 
Okay, our last question is from Sanchari, who asks, does pH play a role in determining what order you should apply your products? And if so, how can you figure out the pH of a formula? So people are getting very into the pH. So our skin tends to be more pH of five. Um, a lot of the acids can tend to be a little bit more acidic. Retinols tend to be pH five or six. So, you know, if your skin is pretty clean and you're not using like a cleanser that is very basic and most cleansers usually put you back into your normal pH, then you could use an acidic cream right after that. There is no reason to kind of uh, not use certain products. Now, with that said, like I talked about the vitamin C and the retinol, you want to wait. However, if you wait 30 minutes, your skin will go back to its normal pH. So then you can use different products with different pHs. So you'll get the most benefit from an ingredient when it's applied to your skin at its regular pH. Yes. And that's why we use a toner to balance out the pH. All right. I guess I have to start using toner. I know. <laughs> I don't know. In, in my mind, I thought I'm using essence, so maybe I don't need toner. <laughs> oh, but essence is going deep and toner is helping your surface uh, prep for the products to work best. So if you want the products to work best, you want to do both. I know a lot of us, like Michelle was saying, growing up in the 80s and 90s, like this toner was sea breeze. You know, it was very harsh. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, alcohol is kind of old in terms of toners. So it's not even that hard to avoid it anymore, it sounds like. It's been taken yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, taken out. I've avoided them for so long, I don't even know what's in a toner <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and then with toner, because I know with Essence, normally you put it into your hands and you pat it in with your fingertips. Do you do the same thing with toner? I like putting a toner on a cotton pad and then just kind of, you know, removing the rest of the uh, the residue on my skin, the oils, the makeup even, you know, you'll see it. So I like toners on a pad. I think uh, essence, I like the splash of the essence, but toner, I like to put it on a pad. So we've learned a lot today. I am going to go dig around my stuff and see if I can find some toner. Thank you so much, Dr. Jin. Thank you so much. That was so fun. Thank you, Dr. Jin. Okay, so we've heard all about the history of layering and how to do it right. Now, what is your personal layering technique, Michelle? I always say, how much time do you have? Because <laughs> it seems so long. Oh, okay. I'll get comfortable. So I very much subscribe to having a skincare wardrobe. So I don't necessarily have one routine, but I would say in general... I love a double cleanse at night if I'm wearing makeup. In the morning, I'll just use a gentle cleanser, like maybe I'll do a CeraVe or a Cetaphil, or I do like the AHC foaming cleanser as well. When it comes to the double cleanse, though, I love the Then I Met You one. The balm cleanser that they have is so nice, and it sort of smells citrusy, which I love. So I'll do a cleanse first. Then I'll do toner, which I didn't always do, but I've started using the AHC toner, which I like. Then I'll do an essence. I really like the Tatcha essence. Then, Jenny, I know we've talked before about the AHC emulsion. I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's the best, isn't it? Yeah, I love that it comes in that huge bottle and just really soaks right into your skin. It feels so nice and hydrating. Then I'll do a vitamin C. The one I'm using right now is the, the famous SkinCeutical, CE and Ferulic. Then I'll do an eye gel for day. The one I'm using right now is Dr. Loretta, but I've got a bunch that I kind of switch up. Then it's onto moisturizer. I'm using 
Revive Dark Spot Corrector with SPF right now. I really like that one. And then I'll also do a sunscreen on top of that because the SPF that's in moisturizers isn't necessarily enough to always keep you covered. So I really love the Elta MD UV Tinted Sunscreen. And then for night, the way that I switch it up is usually I'll swap out the vitamin C serum for a retinol. And then instead of an eye gel or eye serum, I'll do an eye cream. Jenny, what's your layering routine? I feel like it's going to pale in comparison. Okay. I rarely double cleanse, but I do like like a creamier cleanser. I feel like I'm getting that double cleanse effect without doing it, or even a solid balm like Drunk Elephant has their Sly cleansers, a solid cleanser that I really like. And AHC has their Aqualuronic cleanser that I tested for Best of Beauty last year. Many of us did, and we loved it and actually won the award. So I use that one often. That one's in my shower. And then if I'm using an essence, I do our favorite AHC emulsion. Then I just let that soak in a little bit. And then I apply SkinCeutical CE Ferulic after that. And then a sunscreen on top. I do love the Elta MD. I'm actually looking at all of them out here right now. I have them on my desk. The Fenty one I come back to a lot. The Super Goop Unseen sunscreen. But I do find with sunscreen... And we all know my issues with pilling. I do try to wait a few minutes, you know, let everything else kind of sink in and dry. And then I do my sunscreen. And then at night, I really like the TNS, the Skin Medica TNS serum. It has growth factors in it. So I'll often switch that out for my CE Ferulic step and do that first on bare skin. And then a hyaluronic acid serum. Again, like I love the AHC emulsion. Skin Medica actually has one called HA5. That's a really nice, rich hyaluronic acid. And then a retinol, usually both an all-over cream and an eye cream. I like the Rock retinol eye cream. And then if I haven't fallen asleep by then, I will put on like a richer cream, you know, something usually that comes in a jar. It doesn't have actives in it, but it's just like a nice pampering cream. Like Fresh has just one. To seal it all just in. Just to like suck it all in and just feel like I'm pampering myself a little bit. Well, I don't know. I think you've got a pretty complex routine there yourself. I guess when I lay it all out like that, I kind of do, don't I? And that's really what skincare layering is about. Some good old trial and error, a few hard and fast rules, and just being diligent about sticking with a routine that works for your skin, even if it changes up a bit day to day. It's like those three Clinique steps that first introduced so many of us to the concept of a skincare layering routine. If you're consistent with a realistic routine, whether for you realistic means three steps or five or 17, you will see changes in your skin. And you'll also be spending at least a few minutes taking care of yourself twice a day, which is the huge bonus of any regular skincare routine. All right, I think we've cleared up any confusion about layering those essences and toners just in time because our next episode is all about hydration. Dermatologist Claire Chang will be joining us from South Korea along with Christine Lee, a chemist from our partners at AHC, Korea's number one skincare brand. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, may your layers never pill. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps new listeners find the show. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Allure on Instagram at Allure. I'm at Hey Michelle Lee. And I'm at J-B-A-I-L-L-Y. 
On our audio team, our executive producer is Ginny Saraswati. Our associate producer is Aaron Skahan. And our audio editor is Ashley Tuff, with production support from Ginny Media. On the Allure team, the editorial leads are Soini Driscoll and Diana Mazzone. Lead researcher is Westry Green. And project manager is Monica Perry. The theme music is by Asha Ivanovich. Special thanks to our listeners who sent in questions. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Thank you.